Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, former Chief Marketing Officer of Eastman Kodak, current chairman of the C-Suite Network, home of the C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Advisors, and C-Suite Network Councils, Jeffrey Hayslet. Hey, what you drink? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna jump right into this conversation because you guys know that when I bring guests to this conversation, we are we're playing with the top shelf. And this is no excuse. This is no excuse to play around because I'm bringing the chairman of the C-suite network, Mr. Jeffrey Hazlett. And this guy plays for real. And I I had a conversation with Jeffrey just kind of as we were crossing paths. And I I told him about this podcast and I could barely get the full name of the podcast out when he said, yes, I want to be there. I want to be there. So, (laughs) Mr. Hazlett, welcome into the room, man. Welcome to Whiskey, Jazz and Leadership. You know, anytime there is an opportunity to drink whiskey or any brown (laughs) liquid, period, one should always say yes. That's just that's the first thing everybody should do. And if you don't say yes, then you shouldn't be invited. It sounds like a principle for life. That sounds like a life principle. It is. You know, every Sunday night I host a scotch event. It's called Scotch Sundays and uh, we promote it. And we've got about 300 and 400 people that kind of join in and every weekend, whoever shows up, shows up. And it's kind of like sitting in a pub and we, uh, we invite everybody that you can bring. You can bring a scotch. You can bring a whiskey. You can even bring a bourbon, brown liquid. Quite frankly, you could bring any liquid you want. You could even drink water if you don't partake in drinking. Okay. So all you're drinking is water. That's fine. We're, hey, we're cool with that. But if you bring a rosé, you are not invited. And I will tell you that right off the bat. So, yeah, whiskey, jazz, leadership. Brother, I am in. And you had me at wi- you had me at right there. Listen, I, you know, I love scotch. I love Irish whiskeys. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about all those things. But uh, you can't get better than that. You know, and quite frankly, listen, this is one of those interviews. You put the quarter in, you get to go for the full ride. All right. That's what's going to happen. I get paid to do this stuff. I get paid to drink whiskey, which is kind of interesting because of the C-suite. You know, they're one of my sponsors, Glenfiddich, and I've had many others as well. And it's like bacon and whiskey. That's the two things people send to me. Fantastic. Well, hey, I got a bunch of questions for you. 
but the audience is waiting for this first question because this is like this is like a requirement that I ask this question. I actually try to steer away from it and save it to the end, but uh, I think there was a picket line outside my door the last time I did. So I'm just gonna jump on in. The first question, what you drinking? Oh, if I can drink anything, it's Glenfiddich. I like Glenfiddich. I like any of the Highland Scotches, but tonight's Glenfiddich 18. Glenfiddich 18 is my go-to. That's the one I drink every night. That's the one I have. I love it. You know, I can also drink, oh man, uh, Glen Levin, McCallan, you name it. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of guys are bourbon, a lot of American guys, especially are bourbon guys, but it's not my thing. I love the single malts. I, there's just something about the single malts, even the, the peaty ones, <laughs> even the, I've come to even like the peaty ones, you know, that smell like someone's socks. I even <laughs> like those. I, I thought I would go because I knew I was going to be talking to you. I mean, yeah. a real a real Scotch man, and I, I don't really go with the Scotch. I, I'm I'm true blue American, so I'm I'm in the bourbons. Uh, but my favorite, I'm actually mourning a bit because I can't get it as frequently as I'd like, is E. H. Taylor Barrel Proof. And I've got I've got one bottle that I've been nursing since 2017. And I only bring this out for special occasions. And I think this qualifies. You know, I had somebody the other day, I was at dinner with him over his house. And he brought out, we were both born in 1960. And he brought a port that was bottled in 1960. You know, a scotch, I never drank scotch and never was a real liquor drinker till a number of, a few years back. And most people would see me drink. I might have a fuzzy navel or something like that. And, and I would drink wine. I liked wine. But never drink scotch. And then one night I got one day I got hired by the Family Business Institute. And they're doing a big event in New York City. And they invited an admiral, the head of the Philharmonic, the New York Philharmonic, and myself to come and speak to this event. Hey, while mm -hmm. you're enjoying that, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack crack open this uh this Ooh, e -H Taylor that. and go ahead and give me let's let's see let, pop. let me crack it open. Just a little bit, just a little Oh, you need more. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is gonna get me started. Get me started. I would love for you to just talk a little bit about while I enjoy this. Talk a little bit about your background because you and I met as part of the National Speakers Association, and you know because I just I met all kinds of amazing speakers, and the more that I learned about you, the more impressive you became to me because you are oh, doing man. more. You're doing more than just uh, you know hitting stages talking to thousands of people and enjoying scotches on, on Sundays. So talk a little bit about your background and uh, we can get into this conversation. Well, I mean, as I always mentioned, I, I met the folks from Glenfiddich who were at this event. I was speaking, I was keynote speaking. And, and so they were there. Then they hosted a scotch event afterwards. And I thought, well, geez, if they're hosting and doing, I should go learn how to drink scotch. Right. So I went to a bar that night, night before I said, give me every scotch you got. This is, sir, we have like 20. I said, okay, I'll have one of each. And I brought my daughter, my, my wife, and I said, the bartender, tell me about scotch. I don't know anything about scotch. And literally, this was about five, six years ago. And I said, I like that one. And it was the most expensive scotch. It was a 21. It was a Glenfiddich, by the way. And it uh, turned out I really liked it. And I went, wow. Next day, I went to the event, and I spoke. And then they gave me free scotch. And then afterwards, they started sending me free bottles. Like, whoa. And so I became kind of an ambassador for them, which was really good. But uh, what do I do? I lead the C-suite network. I, I lead the most trusted network of C-suite executives in the world. And it's an organization that gets together that helps people to grow their business, grow their lives, grow their influence, grow their reach um, as a trusted executive using their content. 
And that's really truly what we do, what we do. And so we bring people together that are like-minded and individuals that want to get together as masterminds, as councils, as roles by role, by industry, by size, by geography, whatever it might be to find commonality so that they can work together to grow their business. And that's really, and grow their lives, grow their influence, grow their reach and, you know, grow their, grow, grow life. You know, that's what it's about. And so that's what we started a number of years ago. I used to have a TV show on Bloomberg. And that just one thing led me to another. And we said, hey, we're going to start this. And now I serve on corporate boards and give speeches and drink scotch. And drink scotch. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, incredible, incredible network, C-suite network. I'll, when I wrote my book in 2017, Impact, Your Power to Make a Lasting Difference, I was uh, actually honored to have that book be inducted into the C-suite network book club. You talk about being able to connect with the leaders that are absolutely trying to make the difference in their organization and then share, to your point, share the content that they're looking for. Because everyone's looking for that little extra special. They're looking for a different way of saying the same thing or something totally different that they've never thought of before. And whenever you can connect with those people in the space where they're looking for that information, I mean, that is a real service. That's a real service. That's the name of the game, you know, pulling together people who want to, and by the way, a big thing of what we've done, especially during COVID, but I've always been a believer of this is what you give. So when you come to our meetings, you get active, you get involved is what do you give? Everybody can take, but it's about when you show up and give and the more that you give, the more you get. And, you know, just like sharing whiskey, just like sharing jazz, you know, the more you give, the more you get. Yeah. You know, now, one of the things I learned about you, because I, I knew about the leadership, so we're going to have oh, a yeah. big, strong dose of leadership in this conversation. And you got to respect the, the, the whiskey game or the scotch game in this in this case. But one of the things I was surprised, I was surprised to learn that you were like a jazz DJ. Oh, yeah. Back in college. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Back in college at Augustana College in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, every single noon, twice a week uh, for credit, by the way, I did this for a number of years. I was a DJ on KAUR-FM radio, 92.5. Well, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was 98.1 or something. And it was KUR. And I, I remember this is my voice. Hey, this is Jeffrey Hayes, and this is Just Jazz on the campus of Augustana College. And you're listening to uh, Pat Metheny Group. On K-A-U-R, Just Jazz. I oh, do stuff like that. That was my Just Jazz voice. Now now I'm hosting you know, podcasts and TV shows. My voice doesn't sound like that at all. <laughs> so w one of the things, and this was actually kind of the inspiration for this podcast, because a lot of my friends will ask, how did you come up with the name Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership? Because they don't, that doesn't seem to make sense. They don't seem to connect. But in my mind, they connect. Uh, because but, there's a lot but of even if even if they didn't connect, that's leadership right there. Taking things that connect or not connect and putting them together. Disconnect the things that are connected so you can reconnect and make them better, or take things that are disconnected and bring them together so they are better. I mean, that's holy crap. That's what it's about, right? Yeah. When you walk into a business. Man, you got black, you got white, you got young, you got old, you got gay, you got straight, you got everything, right? And I think that's what, you know, leadership's about by bringing all these different pieces, the colors of the rainbow, the different levels of, of participation, different personalities, different, different skill sets all together 
find the commonalities, find, you know, it's, that's, what's really cool, you know, about our, our Scotch Sunday event that we run every Sunday from the C-Suite network is it, it's like walking into a pub. And if you ever walk into a real old fashioned pub, like in New York city, like I used to go to Scallywags over here's the gay couple over here's the construction worker over here is the guy that knows everything about sports there is and there's a there's a super smart woman over here and but yet we're a community and we're all connected and we all know each other and we all love each other we're all there for each other and to me that's that's what leadership's about and you know whiskey is one of those things that brings people together jazz is another one and then the real result is you know leadership in a lot of different ways that you can do that but it's really reflective yeah, yeah. So tell me about this was not your first your first dance, right? You've got a long storied corporate career before getting into this. Tell me about some of the leadership lessons that you've learned, maybe from your corporate career that continue to hold true as you talk with other senior executives that are doing what you were doing, maybe still struggling with the things that you struggled with back then. Uh, but what were some of those lessons and experiences that you had? Well, I still see that, still see them. Uh, the biggest ones around talent, you know, that's our number one thing that any executive faces every single day, finding the right kinds of talent, getting rid of the bad talent, motivating all the talent. And that's the thing that we spend. So my lessons learned were always about, you know, finding great people in the organization. And they might not be the ones that reported to you. Mm -hmm. They might be down in the bowels of the organization, but to find them and motivate them and get them behind a common good of what you were trying to do, the common purpose, you know, that problem you're trying to solve. And that, that was always the probably one of the biggest lessons I learned is to go do that, figure that out, and spend a great deal of time on it. And it's not about the processes. It's not about that. It's about finding good people. You know, that's what, you know, entrepreneurs do. Entrepreneurs, they start off as a one-man, one-woman band, and they advance to devout followers where, you know, they're grabbing the people that are standing around them going, hey, you can balance a checkbook. You're the CFO. <laughs> and then later they add skilled technicians and professionals. In, in a little different corporate world, corporate world, you know, because of your position or what you do or how you brought in, then you you assume command. And one of the biggest lessons I learned is that my job is not to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. Oh, you know, my job is to be the most strategic. I mean, that's what they're paying me for is to help provide the vision, the mission, the, the way in which we're going to do it. And, and then say to the team, don't you agree? Or, or if you disagree, great, put a motion on the table, then, you know, let's create some tension in the room. It's okay to do that. Because that, that healthy tension brings us to another another level, just like a great athlete who works out. No pain, no gain. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that for a second, because I still talk to usually young leaders. So they're relatively new in their assignment or they're relatively new in, in managing people, leading organizations. And they they don't yet know the lesson of it's not my job to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. What are some of the what are some of the the challenges that go along with you being the smartest person in the room? And we've heard all the adages that if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Right. What are some of the problems if you don't get that part of leadership that it's not your job to have all the answers? It's going to bite you in the rear end. It's going to happen sooner or later. You're going to get caught because you aren't the smartest person in the room. There's always someone that's smarter. You know, I used to think I was hot stuff when I was the chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak. You know, here I am managing a $17 billion budget. And 
trying to grow the company. And I remember sitting down next to the CMO of GE. And here I am thinking I'm hot stuff. And then I started asking him that CMO at the time. It was a guy before Beth Comstock took it. And she went on to become the vice chairman of GE, by the way. But I turned to him and I said, talk to me about your group. You know, how's GE doing? He goes, and then we start talking about bonuses and stuff like that, you know, that you get in these groups with. And this was a group of of 50 CMOs that we get together. We each paid $50,000 just to belong to the group. And we would get together two or three times a year. And it was a mastermind, nothing but a mastermind. And it gave us the ability for us to be able to, you know, talk and trade secrets. And how did this work? How do you get out of this NASCAR deal? How do you, how do you make the best out of a sponsorship with the, you know, the Olympics or whatever it might be? That's the kind of stuff that we talk about. But so we were talking about bonuses and, and he said, yeah, we have to grow by $15 billion that year for him to get his bonus. And I said, how much? And he said, 15 billion, you better drink a sip of whiskey gallon when I talk, when we use numbers like that. And so he said, 15 billion. It was right then. I, I said, no matter how big you think you are, there's always someone bigger. There's always a bigger dog yeah. somewhere. Yeah. No matter how smart you think you are, there's always someone smarter. No matter how good looking you think you are, there's always someone better looking. All of those things. So, you know, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And that's what, that's the lesson that leaders have to learn is wow. that we have this hubris of our success. And, you know, Collins wrote about that mm. and um, in his book. And, and Kodak, of course, suffered from that because they believed they were, you know, a film company for years and thought they had it together. And they did, of course, one of the most powerful brands of its time. But yet they forgot that they weren't a film company. They were an emotional technology company. Mm. They created Kodak Moments. They didn't create film. Film was just a byproduct of what they really created. That's the thing I say, the lessons that you learn from that just by being in this room. And by the way, I can tell you numerous times where I was just stupid, thinking I was smart, but later I got was stupid, you know, and I did. And I spent millions of making mistakes and things like that, that you do even, you know, it's just zeros, whether you're in, you know, Main Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota or Wall Street in New York City, the, the only difference between the companies are zeros. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.